Let's head to the United Kingdom, which has a slightly better, um, you know, time zone uh, to soak in all the Cricket World Cup. A lot of New Zealanders are dusty after just two Black Caps games trying to work through the night, watch through the night, listen through the night to, to find out what's uh, been happening. The Black Caps have made it two from two. Big win over the Netherlands, as you would expect. Uh, in the United Kingdom, Talk Sport, the behemoth of a radio station there, cricketing editor is the one, the only Mr John Norman, a very familiar voice to these parts. John, thanks so much for joining us, my friend. You're probably not as blurry-eyed as we are back in NZ. No, no, I'm not. Well, I will be tomorrow because... Um the the day night games the time difference is absolutely perfect talk sport don't have the rights for this one so essentially i'm just uh, uh reporting on the uh, on the games from the tv essentially i am being paid to watch cricket on the tv right so that's the kind of job the te- the teenager uh cricket lover would never have believed um would would ever happen but there you go but uh, tomorrow is a day game so it means I'm going to be setting the alarm for half four uh, and then making my way to the studios in uh, central London at about 5 a.m. in the dark. But, uh, yeah, all things considered, mate, um, uh, life is good. Cricket never stops. I mean, you know, the last time I think I saw you, well, the last time I definitely know I saw you, I'm not sure you were quite with it either because, you know, we'd just <laughs> been part of the commentary team for that historic one uh, run win or was it one wicket win I can't even forget now it kind of all blends into one and I, I kind of said my goodbyes to you because we had the team talks for had to get the hell out of Dodge we had to get back to Auckland and fly out pretty much uh, within 24 hours of that brilliant brilliant game in Wellington and I went to uh, just give you a bit of a hug and a high five and say good job mate and you were essentially you seem to be floating around the outfield at the base of <laughs> reserve I mean, not quite a disbelief of the miracle that we just seen. The absolute pinnacle of test cricket in some regards. So uh, it's good to see that via a stop in Paris, uh, you, you've, uh, you've come back down to earth. Yeah, I have come back down to earth. You're so right. I had, to go, I had to go to the spot Tom Blundell took the catch and actually believe it. Um, a one-run win in a test match. Uh, staggering stuff. Almost as close as the last Cricket World Cup final. Shall we say, John, we'll get uh, to, to England in just a moment, but the Black Caps have beaten the Netherlands by 99 runs, 322 for the loss of seven. It's a pretty healthy-looking scorecard. Everyone got in. Unlike the game against England, no one goes on and gets a big score. But but I guess that the one who needed to perform the most, Mr Will Young, after the heroics of Conway and Ravindra, well, he did exactly that, didn't he? Well, he did indeed. And he's a good-looking batsman, isn't he? Um, you know, he would have sat there and uh of course enjoyed watching devon conway and rashin ravindra score those centuries uh in that uh, big win over england um but the scorecard looks looks funny doesn't it we're, we're all kind of like a bit a bit a bit stato aren't we but when we see a scorecard which reads three batters essentially you know hauling in a decent total uh, inside 36 overs or so and two batters have got centuries and one of them was out first ball. Um, you know, it's just one of those <laughs> days, isn't it? But fair play to him today. Um, he knows that there's uh, there is pressure. You know, Williamson's got to make his way back into that side. Feeling is he's going to come in for Ravindra. But, you know, if Ravindra keeps scoring runs, a hundred, a 50 to go with 100. He's going to be undroppable. Uh, and, of course, he bowls some, uh, some slow left arm as well. So, uh, 
yeah, he's a good-looking batsman. He's played a lot of cricket in England as well. Um, and, yeah, he was part and parcel of another very effective New Zealand uh, performance today. And, of course, the net run rate got another bump as well. Yeah, the net run rate is looking really healthy after two games. And this clutch of games for New Zealand, the Netherlands, uh, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, with all due respect to those nations, th- these are the ones you've got to win and you've got to win well because net run rate uh, already has been well discussed and I can't remember that too often, to, you know, you know, just into the second round of, of games. But when you look across the day's play, what were the features of the New Zealand game? I, I know our audience is quite keen to, to look further down the field and get a, a third eye on maybe the makeup of the New Zealand side, but this game against the Netherlands, what stood out to you, John? Well, first off... Um our, our friend, um, uh, my, my friend and part of the TalkSport team, Jarrah Kimber, he wrote a good piece following your win over England and essentially said that New Zealand won that game with five players. Um, uh, we know that uh, two of the batters scored hundreds, but if you look at the bowling line, the bowling, the makeup of the bowling, you know, New Zealand, it's the 15-man squads. That's surely one or two light, by the way. It's a little strange, but essentially New Zealand have come in with very, very few bowlers, especially when you consider Tim Southey is injured. And they still managed to to drop one. You know, Jimmy Neesham, you know, we all love Jimmy mm. Neesham, but uh, he's not going to be bowling 10 overs, is he? So what I found interesting today was the fact that Lockie Ferguson came in to play, uh, replacing uh, Neesham. No place for Sodi. Um, I think, again, he's another player that, you know, overseas, we kind of watch how you've used him and how you've, kind of abused him um, and we all feel a little bit sorry for him because he seems to be able to bat and he seems to take a lot of wickets but the decision was made he doesn't play and so it's a question about about how the other bowlers really step up and they stepped up Ravindra took uh, a couple didn't he Um, and Mitchell Santner took a fifer so um, I think that uh, I think that things are fine you know, obviously that went over England. Uh, the margin of it wasn't expected. You expect to beat Netherlands. And when you have a look at the next few games, you've got to say to yourself, well, New Zealand are in a very healthy position. By the time they come around to play in the likes of India and Australia, they may, they may have already qualified. But there is a big but. It's a caveat to all of this. For all the positivity, I can't see how New Zealand, you know, can New Zealand really win the World Cup? when their bowling stocks are so light, when they are so reliant on Glenn Phillips and Ravindra, possibly Nisham. But the other thing is, spin is going to play a part. We saw that today. Mitchell Satner, the first New Zealander to ever take a Fifer in a World Cup, spin bowler, that is. Now, he's a, he's a quality act, but that's telling you something about the pitches that they're going to be playing at and they have been playing yes. at. And the next two games that you guys play, I think against Bangladesh, Maybe Afghanistan, I might be wrong. But essentially, they're going to be played on two of the biggest spinning tracks in India. That is going to be interesting. You know, how you go about that. You do have the spin bowlers. You have got some good spin bowlers. But it's not just about that, is it? It's about how you play against spin as well. And I'm not sure you've really, really been tested in that regard just yet. Yeah, well, Isodi picked up six wickets against Bangladesh in a warm-up game, or a tour just ahead of the warm-up games, rather. Uh, Ferguson was injured for the first game, so he's healthy. He's been sort of down on production over the last couple of years. So they've got some really interesting decisions to make. Uh, I think there is the makings of a very good bowling lineup there, John. Uh, Mitchell Santner is a fine one-ball bowler, a one-day bowler. You don't need me to tell you that. 
But the guy I think is so underrated, even back here in New Zealand, is Matt Henry. Uh, I, I think he's a mm. fabulous one-day bowler. Yeah, I, I agree. I was watching him bowl today. And, you know, if you look at the test arena, it's so difficult to get in, isn't it, into that test side? Yeah, it is. He's been waiting. He's, he's waiting for so long. Can't get in ahead of Trent Bolton, Tim Southey. And then, of course, Neil Wagner and Cole Jameson rock up. Um, but, look, he has been – he's had two or three phenomenal seasons in county cricket in England. I remember when he burst onto the scene for New Zealand. But the problem for Matt Henry has always been, certainly within the test ranks, is that he seems to be the first one dropped. You know, I think, uh, hmm. you know, he's very rarely gets two or three game test matches in a row. Now, fast forward to the ODI side. Actually, he gets much more of a run, doesn't he? Partly because Trent Bolt kind of doesn't play unless it's a big, big event. Tim Southey now is, uh, is on the downer. Cole Jameson has had his injury problems. But I just I I think you're absolutely right, especially with the the newish white ball. Um, he extracts good zip. He's got movement, great control. Um, he's not really an out and out swing bowler, is he? But that kind no. of like nagging back of a length delivery, first three or four overs, I think is is uh, a quality bowler. Gets on with his jobs as well, like all good Kiwis, eh? Um, and yeah, I think uh, he's due a few good days in the sun, isn't he? Uh, John Norman out of TalkSport in the United Kingdom is with us. He's their cricketing uh, editor as we talk the Cricket World Cup. John, what's been the reaction? And I know the next up at this tournament, and an early alarm clock for you, so we appreciate you staying up late for us. What's been the reaction to that England loss? Is it just one of those, take a deep breath, it's one of those days, we're still a really good side? Well, I think that, like in New Zealand, actually, we're all kind of like, kind of watching the Rugby World Cup get to the interesting bit. Um, the Premier League here is, is just, you know, is massive and is, is affording us a lot of rich entertainment. Um, I saw, uh, you know, you take to social media following that Spurs-Liverpool game recently. And, you know, yes. there's just, there's always something to talk about, isn't there? Now, we're approaching two weeks now where essentially um, the Premier League is put to one side. Obviously, the uh, the Rugby World Cup, the, the quarterfinals, England are stinking the place out there. So essentially, it should be a, a time now for the cricket to take more of a centre stage. England, of course, are the holders. There's always interest. The time of day for the games are good. Um, I would say that the first game, we, we're being. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, it was such a, it was such a humdinger of a defeat. There actually isn't that that far to go with it. You know, they stung the place out. They were under under par with the bat and abysmal with the ball. I mean. I'm not sure there's really much you could say about it. So what it's meant is the jeopardy that uh, possibly wasn't associated with the England team, or you weren't expecting it to be associated with the England team this early in the tournament, has come to the fore. So actually, in a weird way, it's put more attention on the tournament. You know, a game against Bangladesh is not one that normally would get people particularly uh, make them feel uneasy or, or provide much focus. But of course... Whereas there were parallels with that defeat against New Zealand, uh, with that heavy defeat at the ba- uh, no, not the bacon at the uh, the cake tin in 2015. I mean, I don't need to tell you that it was Bangladesh that knocked England out of the 2015 World Cup. Now England lose against Bangladesh, they're not knocked out. They still got a good chance, um, but essentially it's going to be last chance saloon, you know. Maybe they could possibly afford three defeats in the build-up to the Super 8s, but with the net run rate being as it is, 
the strength of teams like Pakistan, uh, South Africa and New Zealand, uh, as, along with obviously Australia and India, it's it's going to be interesting. So it's not a tournament that has really captured the imagination yet, but I kind of feel that that's going to change. And hopefully that will change tomorrow, not necessarily with a big win for England, but certainly if it's one that they just scrape through, um, it's just going to focus everyone's minds a bit more and just raise the profile of the tournament, which, as we both know, is great for us guys. But essentially, you know, it kind of, I mean, it kind of could be cut in half and nobody would really matter that much. We could always just join in at the halfway stage and have three weeks of, <laughs> of amazing entertainment. But, you know, England do what England always do, and that is make the group stages entertaining. That's what they've always done. That's kind of what they're on the planet for, to be honest with you. You're so right. They have such a colourful history in the group stages of Cricket World Cups. Absolutely. Is it India's to lose? I've heard that line quite a lot in the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure if that's completely fair on India to lose. Um, <laughs> are they clear favourites? Are they clear favourites in your mind? Um, I've, in a lot of people's minds that they are. But um, Neil Manthorpe, you know, who was, was in the commentary box with us, in uh, earlier this year has written a, a good article on his Substack, and essentially he was saying that there were a few eyebrows raised when the first two um grounds were named for essentially uh india's first two big games against australia and against south africa i.e the, the the biggest turning tracks in india you know there's home advantage and there's home advantage um yes. obviously there's a lot of talk about the fact that international fans overseas fans have found it very difficult to travel and get to india um home advantage will probably never be you know such a positive for the home side and of course india won it the last time they were on home soil indeed what is it the last four or the last three world cups have been won by the team playing at home so yep they're heavy favorites uh on paper i'd say that they've probably got the best team i'm not sure what the rankings say but uh essentially You'd, um, there's not too many people picking a team away from India and England to win the tournament, maybe Australia. But essentially, my problem, if India aren't going to win it, is probably down to a couple of things. Firstly, as we know, they have not had a great run in world tournaments over the last 12 years uh, in T20 or 50 over. Um, they haven't won the World Test Championship either. So when it comes to those real pressure moments, they haven't delivered. Now, whether home advantage will enable them to get through, whether natural talent will, will do the same, we'll, we'll only wait and see. But there is a big question mark over the side in that regard. The other side of things is, I'd say, the age of the side and also Hardik Panja. For me, he's a crucial part of that team. Um, obviously, Ravishandran Ashwin and Ravindra Jadeja, they are all-rounders in their own rights. But he's a classic all-rounder isn't he if you look at the team you can see what an importance he makes if he could bowl his 10 overs or at least seven or eight and he's not targeted then he's going to be a big part of india's successes so um i, I think that india are favorites whether i think that they're as heavy favorites as england were in 2019 i wouldn't say that but um i think it's going to come down to the pressure moments when they make it to the semi-finals, and of course they will, and then the final itself to determine whether they uh, whether they get through and the likes of Virat Kohli and Rohit Sharma can side off with style. 
Uh, this is what England should do. Uh, John Norman, I'm going to appoint you New Zealand cricket selector. Uh, you've got 30 seconds to answer this question. If New Zealand and England meet again in this tournament, would be in the knockout stages, of course, uh, who would you most li- uh, least like to see batting 1, 2 and 3 for New Zealand? Who would I, li- I would least like to see batting 1, 2 and 3 for New Zealand? That's a very good Knowing question. Knowing full well Williamson well, is 3. Well, yeah, Williamson would have to be at 3. Um... Uh, Conway, Ravindra, Williamson. That's who I think England would least likely to least least like to see. Is another one adding to that rather large uh, group of people. I think Rachin Ravindra should be uh, at the top of the order, which he's never done at one international cricket. John, always great to hear your voice, my friend. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy that early start tomorrow. Right, you'll get up with great vim and vigor <laughs> and energy and attack the day with great gusto. Great to chat, mate. Take it easy. <laughs> Anytime, mate. Lovely to chat. And uh, hopefully we will uh, get to talk about that New Zealand-England semi-final or final at some point in the next month or so.